Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, a recap of the Panthers' 23-16 win over the Atlanta Falcons, who's hot, who's not in the NFL, and a preview of Panthers versus Bears. But first, it's your opening drive. And welcome back to another edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague. He is a 13-year NFL vet, two-time Super Bowl winner, the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers, first round in 1995, cornerback Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Tyrone? Hey, Dennis. How you doing? How you doing? Hello to all of the Carolina Panther faithfuls. Keep pounding because we are on a three-game winning streak, man. Hey, let's make it four. Let's make it four. What you think? It's going to be a tall task. Uh, the Panthers taking on the Chicago Bears at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, probably the best team they've seen so far in the 2020 regular season. Uh, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox this Sunday. But before we get to our Bears preview, uh, as we usually do each week, myself and Tyrone, we take a look back at the previous week's game. And um, we we mentioned in the uh, the last episode we did that – Coach Dan Quinn for the Atlanta Falcons might have his job on the line based on the results of the Panthers-Falcons contest last week. And lo and behold, Panthers emerged victorious 23-16 to over the Atlanta Falcons. And almost before Dan Quinn could get out of the tunnel, um, he's were let go by uh, uh, owner Arthur Blank for the Atlanta Falcons, as well as the general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, which I was actually a little surprised that they let uh, him go as well. So the Falcons are in a, uh, a spot similar to where Carolina was last year when they let Ron Rivera go in the middle of the season and the Falcons are going to go one of two ways. And we'll talk about that here in just a bit. Um, like we usually do, like I said, uh, typically we go through what the Panthers did, right? What they did wrong in the previous week. But first need to tell you guys about uh, our sponsor. And that is uh, bet online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Um, three things that we noticed with the Pan- Panthers versus the Falcons. Again, a 23-16 to victory. The Panthers' third straight win. They are now 3-2 and two and are tied for first tie at the top of the NFC South along with the New Orleans Saints who came back to win uh, in their game. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady actually having a pretty good uh, outing this previous uh, weekend as well. So you got three teams sitting at the top. You got the Atlanta Falcons sitting at the bottom at 0-5. Uh, lots of games left to be played here. Pretty eventful week, actually, for the NFL as a whole. Um, and I'm going to let you go first here in terms yeah, of one of your. This week. I'm going to let you go. First. Are you going to let me go first? Okay. Yeah. So uh, sticking with my my the normal, like I said, I'm on Teddy Bridgewater watch. Steady mm-hmm. Teddy. Uh, he strikes again, man. 27 for 36, 
uh, completions, 313 yards. He had two touchdowns against the Falcons. Uh, just a steady, calm hand back there. He let he leads the entire league, Tyrone, in completion percentage. He is throwing at 73.4% completion rate, basically meaning three out of every four times Teddy throws the ball, it is hitting a guy in the numbers and he's catching it, which is just unusual for Carolina Panther quarterback. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how accurate this dude is. And it's not a fluke. I mean, we're a month in at this point. You know, you could have one game where you're throwing 70% and it's kind of an outlier for what you really are. But mm-hmm. it, we've had four weeks now, four games to, to see this. And, yes, I know the Panthers have played, you know, the Falcons and the Cardinals and and, and Tampa and, and, you know, that type of of, uh, you know, not really sure the level of those defenses, but the throws that Teddy is throwing, I'm not really sure if it matters what defense is out there as long as he's getting time to get the ball out, and he has been. Uh, the Panthers haven't allowed a sack in the past two games, so he's got plenty of time to throw it. He's got 101.9 passer rating right now. He's currently projected to throw for 4,672 yards this season. So, I mean, he's doing everything that, Coach Matt Rule and offensive coordinator Joe Brady envision when they let Cam Newton go, the controversial decision to let him go, uh, mm-hmm. basically for nothing. They cut him to bring Teddy in, and it was met with some criticism when it happened, but I've, I haven't really seen a lot of that criticism, especially the past two weeks on the boards I'm on and uh, social media, just kind of checking the vibe of Panther fans. People are slowly starting to fall in love with Steady Teddy. Yeah, well... I'm going to tell you what, this is what I see, okay? I'm going to go back. I'm going to take the Panther fans all the way back to 1995, baby. 1995. Now, we see the Panthers right now on a three-game winning streak, all right? They started out 0-2, okay? I'm going to go back to 1995. We started out, we lost one, two, three, four, five straight games. We were 0-5. We lost to the Falcons. We lost to the Bills, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Bears, which that was my first game I ever started in the NFL and got hey. gave up my first touchdown to Curtis Conway on our uh, uh, out and up, man. Oh. I was so quick. That, that, that's the only way they could beat me, Des. <laughs> but um, then after the Bears game, we won one, two, three, four straight games, man. We beat the Jets for our first win. Then we beat the Saints. Then we beat the Patriots. I don't think they were the Patriots of uh, uh, what we see right now, but, you know, in 95, they did go to the Super Bowl now. They did go to the Super Bowl and play against the Green Bay Packers in 96. So they were still – Yeah, they were no slouch. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then we beat the uh, defending champions, the Carol- uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who had beaten the San Diego Chargers. So those four games, I'm like, set the tone for our season. And I think these three straight victories have set the tone – for the Carolina Panthers season. Now, going into this Atlanta Falcons game, one of the things that I was surprised to see was Mike Davis. I know you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm going to say Mike Davis because if you're going to win in the NFL, like you said before, I do believe it, even though the game has changed because of the rules, the rules say you can throw the ball. Man, got so many pass interference calls, man. It's ridiculous. And I think just on that part, they need to go, the NFL needs to adapt the college football pass interference rules. Oh, so not at the spot of the foul, just like a 15-yard penalty? Yeah, exactly. Instead of the spot of the foul, depending on the the, the type of pass interference it was. It was something like very minor. It's only five yards. Yeah, give him the first down. 
If it's very flagrant pass interference, it's 15 yards. Give him the first down. But this throw it up, hope that the defensive back not looking, or hope that the referee is is having some type of bad day, he'll give you the flag. But, man, let me go on and talk about these Panthers, though. But you got me going into the NFL rule book. But um, um, Mike Davis, you know, I like the way that he ran the ball because I do believe that you still got to run the ball. And when you can run the ball, I think it makes Teddy Bridgewater and it makes that offense that Joe Brady is trying to run more effective because you now got to bring somebody down in the box, which frees up your wide receivers. And you know the way Robbie Anderson is playing and DJ Moore is coming along and Curtis Samuel had a pretty good game. Uh, He's beginning to wake up. It makes that offense even more explosive. So Mike Davis was one of the things that I was very, very pleased with. And he hadn't had too many snaps. You know, none of the guys really had a, 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 a preseason. So for Mike Davis to come in and run that ball like he's running, I know Joe Brady got to be jumping up and down, bouncing off the wall, man, because the defense now got to account for Mike Davis running the ball. And then you got Robbie Anderson being what he's like the fourth, fifth receiver in the league as far as reception. Now you got to worry about him. So this Carolina offensive, like we talked about earlier, when we started this show early in the season, the Panthers offense was ranked fourth or something as far as explosive explosiveness capability. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So look out, baby. Look out. I'm telling you. So they're on a three game winning streak. You know, I realized Mike Davis had arrived when, uh, like I've told you before, typically after a Panthers game, I go on to Facebook. I'm actually a member of a Facebook group that has 80,000 Panther fans in it. So it gives me a chance to kind of see the most, the most intellectual Panther fans out there and the lowest of the low. So you get a chance to kind of see the vibe of where the fan base kind of is, just like a slice of it. And there are people talking about, you know, we should we should trade Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like we should get rid of McCaffrey and let Mike Davis do his thing. And I'm like, wow, absence makes well, absence can make the heart grow fonder, but a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind, especially in the NFL. My man's been gone for what, going on four weeks, and all of a sudden they want to replace literally the best running back in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey with Mike Davis. He runs hard. Uh, he's averaging 4.8 uh, yards per carry, but he's not Christian McCaffrey. And I just got to let the Panther fans that are listening to this show understand this. Once once McCaffrey is ready, he is going to play. Like that, This isn't going to be a who gets to start Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey type of thing. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league. It's almost insulting that people are saying this. And even Mike Davis went on Twitter, I think it was last night or night before, earlier this week, uh, basically saying, you know, stop being disrespectful to McCaffrey, <laughs> you know, because even he understands who McCaffrey is. So, like, I'm looking at it in a different type of way. Like, once they put McCaffrey back into this offense, I've heard people saying, well, they were focusing a lot on McCaffrey, and, you know, now you can't really guard him. Richard Sherman actually was on uh, Chris Collinsworth's show earlier this week talking about the Panthers, and that's what he was saying, that when they have McCaffrey, you can kind of zero in on McCaffrey. Even if he's a decoy, it makes it a little bit easier to predict the offense. And I don't look at it that way. You know, I, honestly, Bridgewater, I, I commented on it the first couple of weeks, how Bridgewater wasn't looking at McCaffrey as a check down. And it was driving me crazy because I'm used to the Panther quarterback checking down to McCaffrey when there's nothing out there. And Bridgewater's just squeezing it into these windows, 15, 20 yards downfield, not even looking at McCaffrey. And then he gets hurt. Mike Davis comes in. He yeah. starts using Mike Davis as a check down. So it was like, it was almost, I started seeing what Bridgewater was doing he didn't want the offense to be reliant on Christian McCaffrey. And I think a lot of Panther fans need to get used to this because the past two years, 
the offense has been Christian McCaffrey. So we're kind of used to, you know, play busted, give it to Christian McCaffrey. You know, nobody open downfield, dump it off to McCaffrey. Like, yeah. he's kind of the safety valve. So we've gotten used to it. And this is the first time we've had a Carolina offense with McCaffrey as a part of it where he doesn't have to be the focal point of it. And I think that's going to be a growing uh, place for Panther fans as they get into this. You you touched on Robbie Anderson. Let me take him back real quickly for the Panther fan. Again, everybody got to understand how this game is played. This is a physical game. It's a physical game. Okay. And I understand everybody get high on emotions and everything like that. And that's how people are. It's just like politics. Whoever sounds the best, looks the best, dressed the best, that's who people are going to start favoring. But this is what you got to understand in football. Go back, Panther fans, to 2003, okay? You had Deshaun Foster and Stephen Davis. You had a one-two punch. They were different types of runners. So that gives the defense more to study for. So you want to have a two-headed monster in the backfield. So with that being said, Panther fans who are saying you need to trade Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to take it that you're talking off of emotions and not really thinking football because you got to have a two-headed monster. That's a great changeup. You got Christian McCaffrey comes in. He's quicker, more elusive. You got Mike Davis. He's elusive too, but he's more of a power. So you change, you get that change up, man. You get that change up. And I played on defense now. I played on defense for, for, for 12 years as a starter now. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm not telling you a video I saw on YouTube. I'm telling you what I know. <laughs> Call him out. Call him out. Now, and I wrote down on my pad here prepping for uh, the show today, Double Trouble 2.0. Like, I wrote that down because I think McCaffrey and Davis, just like you said, they're a contrasting style of running back. McCaffrey can do it all. He can do everything. He's a three-down back. You can line him up in the slot receiver position. He runs routes. is better, almost better than most wide receivers do. He's a Swiss Army knife. You can use him in a variety of ways. Davis is a traditional, like you said, kind of a power. He runs angry. He runs like someone just insulted his mom, and like he's just looking to hit somebody for for the trouble, like every single play. And I love it that he's like looking for contact to the point where it almost feels like later on in games the defense is kind of making business decisions on how they want to tackle him because he's just been punishing like all game long. And I love it. You know, I, I love the run game, and I love stopping the run. So Mike Davis – I love him. I'm glad they found somebody to kind of take the, the load off of McCaffrey when he does return. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, you mentioned Robbie Anderson earlier on, and I wrote him down as my second uh, takeaway. We got to give Robbie Anderson his flowers. He's fourth in yards receiving in the league right now, 489 yards through four games. Uh, he's fourth in receptions. He's fourth in yards per game, uh, a shade under 100 yards, uh, 90, 97.8. And he's third in yak, uh, yards after catch. He's got 229 yards after he's caught the ball. Um, the Panthers, tie, they have not had a wide receiver perform at this level since Steve Smith was roaming the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And that's that's real talk. Like, we, I went back. I was like, okay, Cam had, you know, some guys. They, were, they had some decent Kelvin Benjamin for a year that had a good year. You know, Ted Ginn Jr., that 2015 year was catching touchdowns. But nobody has been able to do – this and be on top of these kind of categories top five in the league and multiple categories this deep into a season uh other than steve smith steve smith's the last time we really had a target like that uh anderson and dj moore lead the nfl as a receiving combo they have 870 yards receiving combined between the two of them i know people want to make dj moore number one receiver uh that to me that kind of happens naturally and we're naturally watching robbie anderson become an elite wide receiver. You know, I, I'm shocked that the Jets 
Well, maybe I'm not shocked that the Jets let him go because the Jets are kind of dysfunctional right now. But to have him kind of fall in our laps on a, a basically a team-friendly deal, to, to basically have a number one wide receiver, which he's proving he is, he's Teddy's favorite target by far, uh, it, it just feels good to see this talent that these guys, Matt Rule and Marty Herney, who deserves some flowers too for kind of putting this together. He drafted most of these guys that are on the offense right now. The the guys that we talked about that were the quote unquote ex, uh, one of the most explosive uh, groups offensive personnel. Marty Herney drafted Curtis Samuel. Marty Herney drafted Christian McCaffrey. He drafted DJ Moore. You know, like it, he 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 deserves some flowers too. But he also signed Robbie Anderson, and he took that off of the word of uh, head coach Matt Rule, who Robbie played for in college. Um, uh, Baylor, no Temple. He played at Temple with him, so they were familiar with each other. And he's coming and done everything he's wanted wanted them to do. That that's the thing that's been driving me the past two weeks in particular, watching this team. Everyone is doing what they were brought in to do if they were brought in this year. And everyone was so worried about no preseason, no OTAs, no face-to-face contact. How's Carolina going to respond? New coach, new coordinator, new quarterback, blah, 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 blah. They've responded very, very well. Um, yeah. I've been very, very impressed with what the Panthers have done the past, uh, really the past month, really yeah. since the second half of that Tampa Bay game, really. They've been playing like this ever since. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. When you, you speak of Robbie Anderson and um, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's Teddy. Robbie is, is is Teddy Bridgewater's favorite receiver now because he feels comfortable with Robbie, that Robbie will make that play. He'll make that catch. Now, DJ Moore, he has the same ability, but he got to find that comfort. Bridgewater got to find that comfort with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. But I'm going to take you back to the game when the uh, Seattle Seahawks played this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, three straight plays, Russell Wilson went to DK Metcalf. That's how I believe Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater are beginning to bond. If it comes down to a situation where they got a pass the ball, which I would like to see the Panthers get more touchdowns. In the end zone by passing. But I believe when it comes down to that point, Robbie Anderson, Teddy Bridgewater, they're beginning to bond. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Joe Brady call three, dial up three straight plays going to Robbie Anderson. Just like Russell Wilson did with DK Metcalf. He went to DK Metcalf three times. One of them he caught. It was kind of like he didn't, he wasn't in bounds. Another pass he threw to him. This this the second play. He bobbled it. The DB knocked it out. But then he came back on the third play, went straight back to DK Metcalf. He hauled it in, went a touchdown for the Seattle Seahawks. So I see Robbie Anderson being that type of guy for Teddy Bridgewater. This is the guy that I'm going to throw the ball to when everything is on the line. Yeah, and and uh, DJ Moore is still on uh, – well, both of them, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are both on pace to have 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, and the Panthers haven't had that in a long time as well. Um, so – you know, it's it feels good to see the offense starting to click. Uh, it felt good to see the defense hold their own. Um, granted, the Falcons are a hot mess right now. Uh, but in the NFL, hey, you play who's in front of you. It don't matter if the team in front of you is 0-4. You're not going to take pity on that team. You're not going to put an asterisk besides this, win, besides this win. This is a division rival that we hadn't beaten in Atlanta in six years. We hadn't won in Atlanta since 2014. So, I mean, 
I, I love the win. Atlanta is a thorn in our side. I, I can't stand the Falcons. <laughs> Pretty much every team in the NFC South I have a grudge with, but the Falcons in particular, uh, it just felt like it felt like cathartic just to kind of go down there, win, and cause them to lose their head coach. And I know that sounds really petty, and it's meant to be, <laughs> because it it's just one of them things where I remember 2015, we were going for a perfect season. Who ruined it? The Atlanta Falcons. You know man, what I mean? Fal- like <laughs> the Falcons had lost Dan Quinn last year, man. He was on life support for this year. So uh, how did he All stick the- around so long? Like <laughs> seriously. <on> <laughs> they were trying to give him opportunity, man. You know, oh it's just like gosh. you know, that's how the game is. You know, you gotta give you bring, you bring a guy in, and same thing could be with Matt Rule. You know, it, be, it gonna come a time when Matt Rule gonna be on life support. Hmm. You know, and that's just how the nature of this game is, even as players. We come in hot, hot off the press, everybody's excited. But then there's a point where you run your course and you become on life support. And yeah. then it's just a matter of, of a situation, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And, man, they pulled that plug out of life support, man. Hey, get him out of here. So, <laughs> um, that's the nature of the beast. So right now, Matt Rule, man, he's doing great, baby. He's out making everybody happy. And, man, look at here. Man, let's ride with it. But, hey, Dan Quinn, you know, that's the Falcons. But uh, yeah. I will say going my other point as far as with this game, the Panthers beat who they were supposed to beat. Mm, right. That's the key right there. You can't go in and and even though the the, the 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 Falcons were favored, the Panthers were a better team. And I think a lot of people still going out the fact that the Falcons got talent or whatever. That that's good. But the Panthers have unity. I think they're more of a team. Yeah. And they beat the team that they were supposed to beat. The Falcons were 0 and 4. Treat them like an 0 and 4 team. They can't beat us, man. So I like the fact that they beat who they were supposed to beat, which tells me that their attitude is we're going to win this game. And once you start developing that attitude right there, I'm telling you, that's what champions are made out of. I've been there. I've been in the locker room. I heard the coaches talk about it. I've seen it on the field. You beat the teams that you are supposed to beat. And that's the other thing I like about this past weekend. And one of our uh, newer segments, uh, Who's Hot, Who's Not, actually there's a team that I picked that uh, does exactly that. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and they're kind of under the radar right now. We'll get to that in just a second. But I, I wanted to um, mention that uh, watching this Panther team the past two weeks in particular, it feels really cool to like do this podcast with you, a former professional NFL player, and you kind of given, kind of taking the, the cover off of uh, some things maybe that happen on that 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 locker room or in practice or whatnot that me or others as an average viewer don't get a chance to be exposed to and i'm starting to just from having conversations with you each week on this podcast and then turn around and watching these games i'm seeing little things that maybe i didn't notice before this panther team is structurally sound like they just they just do things they're supposed to do and they don't do things they're not supposed to do they hardly cause any penalties they hardly have any turnovers uh, they they don't really make dumb plays, you know what I mean? Like just dumb football plays. They don't do that. They just do mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. And more often than not, I think the Patriots prove that more than anything else. Regardless of your personnel, everyone's gonna have a certain level of talent. I mean, it's the NFL. Everybody's got talent on their team. But to be able to get them to work as one unit and to believe in each other, this defense is swarming. Like it's not just one dude. It's the whole front seven is getting back there and getting stuff and making things happen. And the secondary, oh my gosh, the pass defense for the Panthers is like fourth in the league right now. And they're mm-hmm. using 
journeyman guys off the street. <laughs> Rashul, Rashul, uh, Douglas, Douglas came in basically off the street and started after five days of being a Panther. And he's been an important cog in that secondary. Dante Jackson's turning into a top end cornerback in this league, which we hoped for when we drafted him a couple years back. Um, Jeremy Chin, the rookie safety from Southern Illinois that we traded up for in the second round. We thought so highly of him. Uh, those Panther fans, they wanted Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Isaiah Simmons can't even get on the field over in Arizona right now. Meanwhile, Jeremy Chin is leading all rookies in tackles, and I think he's fourth in the league overall in tackles. You never hardly hear his name called on Sunday. He's just back there doing his job, you know, and he's doing it better than any safety we've had in a long, long time. Uh, I'm just so impressed with how the, it's the, the attention to detail, and that, to me, that's a mark of coaching. We were hard on Matt, uh, Matt Rule the first couple of weeks of this season. Uh, it feels like a long time ago now, but you remember those first downs they were trying to get on fourth down? They didn't get them, didn't hand it to McCaffrey. He was second-guessed. That feels like a lifetime ago now. You know, that was just a couple weeks ago. But that just shows how much things can change in the NFL with a win streak. You kind of forget those kind of things. And uh, I'm just super impressed with what the Panthers have done. They're listening to the coaches. They're following their schemes. They're doing their jobs. And it's resulting in wins. And when you do something like that repetitively over and over and you start getting results, that just enforces what you've been doing is right. And uh-huh. I'm I'm just so impressed with Matt Rule right now and what he's doing in a global pandemic. <laughs> this isn't even a normal season. They can't even do – they're on lockdown right now because a Falcon player caught uh, coronavirus or whatever. Yeah. So the Panthers aren't even in their facility. They're doing everything by Zoom right now. And I thought, well, that might be a problem. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, well, it probably won't because the Panthers are probably more equipped to do practice this way than anyone because this is how they got introduced to themselves to begin with was this way. So I'm not even worried about them not being in a facility this week. I think they'll be – I think that well, I can't say they're going to be fine, but I, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think it's going to really affect them in terms of their preparation for the Bears. Yeah. So – that's uh that's Panthers Falcons again 23-16 win Panthers move to 3 and 2 overall 5 games in and the Panthers are <laughs> atop of the NFC South. I don't think anyone in America <laughs> expected uh the Panthers to be leading the NFC South at any time this season, but we will take it. Uh and we're going to enjoy this roller coaster ride of the 2020 uh NFL season. Um real quick news, actually big news coming out of Charlotte this week. Um Wednesday the Panthers put defensive tackle Kawan Short on season-ending IR uh, shoulder surgery. He's having this week. It will end his season in Carolina. And uh, Ty, I needed to ask you: Do you think it's the last time we've seen Kawan Short in a Carolina Panthers uniform? He's 31 years old. Uh, he's kind of looked at as the, the 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 KG veteran of this young team. He only had a year left on his contract. Uh, do you expect to see Kawan Short in a Panther uniform next year? I think all this predicated on what his his aura was in the locker room and with the organization. If his demeanor was great in the locker room, uh, he was that one of the driving forces that keeps the players in sync is a bridge of communication for the coaches to the players and the organization as a whole feel good with him then i think they would try to bring him back probably at a reduced level but if short feels like hey i don't want to lessen the amount of money that i'm making then maybe he will be out that's just the nature of the beast that's just how it is 
and you see a lot of guys that hang around because they are some type of pillar of the team so it's all predicated on how the panthers view him and if they have anybody that they feel can step and replace short replace him so if they don't feel like they have somebody who can help be an influence in that locker room someone who could be a bridge to the coaches the organization to the players to the community then no i think they're going to try to keep him but if they feel like okay hey this guy really hasn't helped us that much he's been you know spottingly he's had some great times on the field but now he's injured then they're just going to do what the nature of the beast does and that is to get rid of you and try to bring somebody else in and just hope and just say hey we, we, we appreciate everything you've done we wish you the best but if they feel like he still has something to give even if it's not 100 percent on the field but if he is that type of guy short as that type of guy that hey i'll take this rookie up under my wings whoever y'all bring in and i would teach him that's just like having another coach on the field as a player with experience just like we're talking about here on this show so when I talk about football, I'm giving you my experience. I'm giving the fans the behind the scene things that they don't know about. So if Short could be that type of guy and he's willing to, hey, I made enough money. I just want to retire in Carolina. Then I think they'll bring him back. But if he feel like he got, you know, some more money on the table, then the Panthers are probably going to say, OK, based off your injury, your production, then you may need to find that money somewhere else. I, I, I can. um actually give a little bit of a pill to cover back on that because head coach Matt Rule actually a couple weeks ago when they were going to LA to play the Chargers, uh, Kawan was not active, but they made sure to bring him uh, on the, the trip over uh, cross country to uh, LA to play that game. But and coach Rule, yeah, coach Rule said specifically they did that because of his presence in the locker room. So many guys on the defense look up to him that they wanted him on the trip uh, and he wanted to go. So to answer your question, the Panthers have already said, you know, how they feel about him now granted that don't mean anything they said they were gonna keep cam newton too so you know that hey it, things change you know and i will also say well it's i, not I, the I, same I shoulder. Like cam thing i think they wanted to keep cam but the system the system couldn't keep cam yeah and i agree with that and looking on it now it looks like a great move you know it looks like you know they made the best decision for it so i don't want to second guess them they're doing just fine in terms of what they're doing coaching wise uh it's not the same shoulder that he hurt last year and missed the uh the rest of the season it's a, a the other shoulder so we'll see what kawan um a sec former second round draft pick uh drafted by uh, former gm dave uh, dave gettleman uh he, he's had a great run been to the super bowl um but injuries are starting to pile up for him here so we'll see what the panthers do he is one of the oldest guys on the team at age 31 so we'll, we'll uh, see going forward how they handle that um Real quick, I, I wanted to start doing a little something, just a real quick little thing where we get a chance to just kind of survey the league and what's going on. Uh, basically, a new segment called Who's Hot, Who's Not. It can be a coach, a player, a team, uh, a scheme, anything you saw this week that you just wanted to touch on. Uh, starting off, who's hot? I, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm trying to figure out how they're under the radar. They're 4-0. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has thrown 10 touchdowns to one interception this season. Uh, through four games, and they have four games because they had to skip a game. Uh, I think they were scheduled to play the Titans uh, last week, week before last, and the Titans hadn't played. It felt like in two weeks they come out and just destroy. Uh, I forgot who they were playing now, but uh, just beat the brakes off somebody. I think it was Tuesday night when they played. Um, 
the Titans are undefeated, but Pittsburgh four and zero, and this goes to what you were saying before. You know, you beat who's in front of you, and you don't put an asterisk beside who it is. They've played the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Eagles. So they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. So they're four and zero because they're supposed to be four and zero at this point. Uh, they're playing the Browns this week, and the Browns are three and one themselves and have a, a pretty explosive offense finally going. They're averaging like 30 points a game. Baker Mayfield's pr- finally starting to do some things. So this will be a true test for the Steelers, which seems odd. It seems weird to say that, you know, a Browns game is going to be a test for the Steelers. Usually it's the other way around. But we'll see if the Steelers are contenders or pretenders this week. But that was my who's hot that no one seems to be talking about. The Pittsburgh Steelers under the radar. Give Mike Tomlin his flowers. This dude just wins with – Whoever he's got, the system that they have built, the culture in Pittsburgh, they just win. When he has all of his horses and he has his quarterback and he's healthy, the Steelers are going to make the playoffs and they're going to challenge for the division and they're going to be a threat to get out of the AFC. They just they just do what they do. They run the ball and stop the run. I mean, they're just Pittsburgh Steeler football. I love it. So yeah. I don't, I'm not even a Steeler fan. I just like what they do. I like their style. I like Mike Tomlin, the whole thing. So Pittsburgh is my uh, who's hot for the week. Who'd you, who'd you have for your who's hot? Well, I'm going to go with my hot player, man. I think this guy should be uh, MVP, MVP uh, if he continues to play like he's playing. But Russell uh, Wilson. Yes. And, uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, man. Like I said, that game I saw, I'm like, this guy, man, against Minnesota, uh, he just had confidence. He He's playing, and he got that Seattle offense and team uh, playing. You know, long gone are the days of the Legion, Legion of, of, of Boom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but Russell is still there. And he is, he has put the team on his shoulders. And I'm like, they're undefeated, man. And, you know, coming back and beating Minnesota. And, you know, he's just a driving force. So right now, Russell Wilson is my hot guy. So he's, he's hot. Was there anybody in America that didn't think Russell Wilson was going to drive them down the field for a touchdown with two minutes to go, <laughs> you know, in that yeah. game? Like, he's got to that level. He's got to, like, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, give him two minutes, he's going to make something happen. He's there. Like, he – I cannot believe this dude has never received an MVP vote in his you know, career. And see, here's, and see, here's the thing with that everybody got to understand, too. Uh, what, what I've learned, uh, this is a little bit of insider information. Most of the teams, think about it, they play on the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. what we hear about are mostly players from the Midwest to the East Coast. Those teams that play on the West Coast, even think about it in college. A guy could be doing something phenomenal, but you rarely hear about it because we're three hours ahead. We're normally in the bed. And then you wake up in the morning, we're hearing about it sparingly. But if it's on the East Coast, they're up playing, doing whatever, during the time that we are awake. So I think that's why you don't see or hear much as you need to hear about players on the West Coast or as far as uh, Russell Wilson. So uh, I think that time difference does come into play when it comes into notoriety, information, and how you hear and know about what guys are doing at the moment that they do it. Because if you fix that time zone, again, we're three hours behind. So if they got a nine o'clock game, it's 12 o'clock here. We're in the bed. Yeah. So we don't hear about nothing that they do. But they Absolutely, hear about yeah. what we do because if it's 9 o'clock here, it's 6 o'clock there. And they hear about the East Coast. So I think, you know, Russell, you know, the more publicity he gets, the more people going to know that this is not just something that happened. Russell been doing this, man, ever since he came into the league. 
And that, that's a great point, actually, because uh, one of my favorite college football teams is USC. And if USC is on, they got a bunch of talent, like the Pete Carroll days, they're going to shove them in front of you. You know, they'll find a way to make the East Coast realize this team is good. And I think that'll start to happen with Seattle. They'll start getting flexed into late afternoon games so that, you know, America's game of the week that's on Fox or CBS at four o'clock. Usually it's the Dallas Cowboys and in that slot, it feels like. But I think they're going to start paying more attention to Seattle, to your point. Uh, that's a great, great point with them being on the, the left coast that they may not get as much shine as, say, uh, a team from the Midwest like the Cowboys or uh, anybody on the, on the East Coast. So excellent point there. Uh, my who's not, of course, is the Atlanta Falcons. I think they entered the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes uh, this weekend, especially the comments from uh, owner Arthur Blank. He was noncommittal to the future of the quarterback, Matt Ryan, who's 35 years old. I didn't even realize Matt Ryan was 35. Um, I think that this week going forward for the Falcons will be a telltale sign of what's going to happen with that team going forward in terms of personnel. Because at this point, listening to Arthur Blank, everybody's expendable. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, like all of them, like he 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 sounds kind of like the way David Tepper did at this point last year when they let Ron Rivera go. That he was almost willing to blow the whole thing up and and just start over. Um, firing the GM that was a sign to me, like oh okay, there there's nobody on this team that's uh that's safe in terms of after the season is over with. So my my prediction going into Week Five is that Trevor Lawrence will be an Atlanta Falcon next year, um, which will turn the NFC South on its ear. So that's my who's not. Uh, it's Atlanta. Who Who is your who's not for the week? Well, I had a choice between the, the Jets or the Texans. <laughs> what and a choice that go, is. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Jets because I'm like, Le'Veon Bell, you know, they just let Oof. him go. Le'Veon, I think, uh, Kansas City may be looking at him or maybe they picked him up. But the Jets are in a disarray. You know, the organization, I don't know. Maybe it's just something about being in New York, man. That, you know, it's <laughs> And New York is like Rome, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But if you can't make it in New York, man, look out, boy, you just going to be like uh, a, a domino effect. Everything just going to go wrong. So the Jets, man, they are the team that I'm saying they are, man, look at here. Somebody put them a life preserver. Man, I think I saw Le'Veon Bell's working out with the Chiefs, that the Chiefs might sign him. Like, I mean, I... <sighs> <laughs> the Chiefs just keep getting better and better. Now, I know Le'Veon Bell added a little bit of weight, was kind of de- de- attached to – not attached to the team so much. The Jets have given up so much talent. Like, people forget they traded Jamal Adams off, you know, at the beginning of the year. He was their best player. And they got a little bit back for him, but you don't trade off your best player. It just seems like they don't have a plan. So, if yeah. you're a Jets fan, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, man. And, I, that's why, <laughs> and, and that's why I said the Texans, because, of course, the Texans got rid of uh, Bill O'Brien, but that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's he having a fire. Yeah. Giving away great players. Come on, man. You can't do that and win I, games. So, but I had to go with the Jets because they recently gave away or let go Le'Veon Bell, like you said, even though he, uh, you know, probably helped. A little, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah so, but still, yeah, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, you know, they are who they are. Yeah, and they just drafted Sam Darnold, like, what was it, last year? He's only been there like two years. So, I mean, they're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes as well. You know, Trevor Lawrence is just sitting back looking at this like, man, now, I, go I might just go back. <laughs> I might just go back for senior year and, and just wait yeah. it out. Because <laughs> we got to go to either the Jets or the Falcons right now. Oh, geez, what a mess. Yeah. Let's uh, Let's move forward here to our preview. 
Panthers Bears, 1 p.m. Sunday kickoff on Fox. It's at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Uh, Bank of America, BOA, The Vault. They've allowed, they're starting to allow people in to watch these games, which is, uh, according to Coach Matt Rule, has been fantastic for the players. This is a very young team. So just to have a couple, you know, 5,000 in there to be able to cheer for them and just know they're playing for somebody's eyeballs, uh, I, I guess it's helping them a lot in terms of uh, this. And this game being at home came at a perfect time because the Bears are by far, well, maybe Tampa, but the Bears' defense is by far going to be the toughest defense that this offense has had to face uh, so far this season. So for me, this is a measurement. This is a measure stick game for me in terms of seeing how this uh, Panther offense is really going to act here. The Bears defense, they're ranked fourth in the NFL in points allowed. They're only allowing 20 points a game. So that's going to be uh, crucial. Uh, the first thing I, I thought of was the third down battle. Uh, the Panther offense against this Bears defense. Uh, the, the Bears are second in the league and holding teams on third down. They're only allowing 33 0.3% of third down conversions. Meanwhile, our Carolina Panthers offense with Steady Teddy, they are sixth in the league on third down, 49% uh, conversion rate. So, I mean, pretty much it's a toss-up for Carolina, 50-50 shot. They're going to convert that third down, which is a fantastic conversion rate for a young uh, team. So, uh, to me, that's going to be a telltale stat for this game. Can the Bears get the Panthers offense off the field or can the Panthers stay on the field and wear this Bears defense out with this passing game that Teddy Bridgewater and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, uh, even Mike Davis, like if they can keep the chains moving like we have seen the past four weeks against all types of defense, then I think the Panthers have a good shot of winning this game. If the Bears can get the Panthers offense off the field and keep our young defense on the field for a long time, then the Bears are going to you know have a good shot of uh, escaping with a road victory. But this is the game. This is the game. To, like if the if Panthers win this game and go to four and two, the thing I told you I was worried about last week, the national media starting to find out about Carolina. They're already starting to do it right now. I'm starting to see it on undisputed and first take and all these shows in the morning and sports talk radio. People are slowly starting to say, Hey, this Panther team ain't that bad. We thought they were going to suck. They're really good. They, they do the fundamentals. They do this, they do that. They beat this bears team, this four and one bears team then that's when the lid's going to come off and people are going to start looking at Carolina as you know, they're going to start picking them to do some other things than what they thought at the beginning of this year. Yeah. Now I'll go and I'll say this, you know, coming out of that Atlanta Falcons game, you know, we did have some injuries, you know, of course, shorts on IR, you know, Matos came out the game kind of banged up. Burns came out kind of banged up. So the question to me going to be uh, that front four of the Panthers, because you know, already and the fans know that the Panthers are struggling still to stop the run so if Burns Matos we already know short is out so who's going to step up to take that place we know the Bears going to run Montgomery that's what they're going to do they're going to run Montgomery and if we can't stop that run then it's may it may be a long day because now you're going to allow Nick Foles to bring in the play action and they have a great receiver in Allen Robinson the guy is like right there with Robbie Anderson as far as catches in the league. I think they're probably four and five uh, respectively. I think um, uh, Robbie is fourth. I think I like, like 36 or yeah. 35, something like catches. And Allen Robinson is right there behind him. So if uh, Matos, Burns, if these guys are not up to the task and then that other person comes in to fill in for short, then it's going to be a long day for that defense because now as the uh, – 
what Coach Snow is going to have to do, he, he's going to have to bring that eighth person down into the box to stop the run. What does that do? That exposes your corners now. You got to go to some type of man-to-man -man or some type of form of zone blitz, which is like a cover three, which is kind of like a man-to-man. -man. So now you're giving Nick Foles, who is a pretty good quarterback, he won the Super Bowl, people. So he knows how to play in big games. So he does have a wide receiver. You got Jimmy Graham. Those are the two guys that he goes to. So who's going to cover Jimmy Graham if you got a blitz? You're leaving your linebacker one-on-one. -on -one. Jeremy Chin, you're going to put him on uh, Jimmy Graham. So, again, I look at the fact that a great offense creates a great defense. So now going to the Panthers' offense, I think what they're going to have to do with that Bears' defense, they're going to spread them out. Allah, just like the uh, 1985 Miami Dolphins did the 1985 Bears. They didn't try to challenge them smash mouth. They spread them out and ran between the gaps. And I think if the Panthers can do that, we got three wide receivers that the Bears going to have to account for. You got Curtis Samuel, again, like I said, he showed up a little bit against the Atlanta Falcons. So if we get all mm -hmm. three guys, uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and we get Curtis Samuel going, and you know that offense, the Panthers' offense, is all about as soon as that back foot hit the ground, unload it. If it's not there, dump it down. So we know we're going to get some positive yardage. The offensive line for the Panthers, I think they are phenomenal. I think they can give Teddy Bridgewater an opportunity to throw the ball. I see the offensive line gelling. And actually, there's a play with the Atlanta Falcons that, man, I'm like, the guy just put the guy, took the defensive lineman, the linebacker, just put him out to play. Oh, Tell yo, that, that was Taylor Moten. I, I know exact play you were talking yeah. about. <laughs> I'm like, man, that was just like the blind side. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Man. So <laughs> I feel very comfortable with this Panther offensive line that these guys going to give Teddy Bridgewater the opportunity to throw. What Teddy got to do is just sit back and just read the keys. We got to know where Mac is. You got to know where he is. Uh, the guy is a disruptor. So the fans going to hear a lot of 52 left, 52 right. They're just trying to find out where Mac is. But he's not the only guy on that Bears defense. But, again, like you said, summing it all up, that are some of the things that I've seen. And the Bears, I don't think they are a true 4-1 and one team. Their offense is struggling. Don't read any captions from their uh, head coach, Nagy. He's saying that their offense needs to pick the pace up. Their, own, their, their offensive players are saying that. They need to pick the pace up. Now, I know what that means when you hear the players saying we need to pick the pace up. Basically, they saying we ain't doing nothing. Mm. So I don't believe that the Bears offense can just dominate the Panthers' defense. I think that's going to be kind of like a balance. But I do think Montgomery, they're going to try to run him to set up that play action. And if we cannot stop the run, then I think it's going to go back and forth. I don't think the uh, uh, um, Panthers' defense will – have a good day if Montgomery can run the ball. And like you said, in closing, uh, third down. I firmly believe if you're going to win a game, you got to keep the team from scoring touchdowns. Field goals, give them field goals. And that's what the Bears are doing. They are giving teams field goals. They held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down, who's supposed to be the most explosive team, so to speak, behind the Carolina Panthers, that is. But yeah. <laughs> they held them in shape. Tom Brady is supposed to be the, the guru of quarterbacks. Well, they had him thinking whether or not it's fourth down or fifth down. So <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> – but You were saving that one. <laughs> hey, Tom, I see you love you. <laughs> but um, the points scored and points allowed, and the Panthers, they are 
They, they, they will have to control third down and they will have to put touchdowns on the board. So that's why I'm, I said earlier, I want to see the Panthers throw that ball in the end zone for more touchdowns, passing touchdowns. And if they do that, I think the Panthers walk away with a victory. Yeah, I agree with all those. And uh, I had two quick things real quick before we get out of here. Panthers, Bears, 1 p.m. kickoff, Fox uh, this Sunday, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Carolina's 4-6 and six all-time against Chicago. They are 3-1 and one all-time at home against the Bears. Uh, the Panthers offense versus the Bears defense, I think, is going to be the key to this game. Uh, the Panthers have not allowed a sack the past two weeks, which has been fantastic. They've been The, the offensive line has been a, basically a turnstile. They've been letting people in and out. Uh, Russell Lacoon came back last week, uh, anchored that left tackle position, which Teddy, you know, appreciates very, very deeply, gives him some time to find his receivers. Can they continue versus the best defense they have seen to this point? You said that, you know, it's more than Khalil Mack on the Bears defense. They got Rokon Smith. They got Akeem Hicks. They got some ballers over there on the defensive side. That's kind of the identity of the Bears. Um, so it, that's going to be the telltale for me. Can the Carolina offense, who has had – Zero issue moving the ball up and down the field. No matter who they have played this year, they have been able to go up and down the field. Their issue has been red zone, like you said. Can they convert those red zone opportunities into touchdowns instead of field goals? Uh, but moving up back and forth from the 20 to the 20, the Panthers have moved it on everyone. So that'll be something I'll be looking at to see. Because if they can do it against this Bears defense, that makes me feel like they can do it against anybody pretty much. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. And then... Uh, the Panthers have finally found a run game behind Mike Davis. They've rushed for 292 yards in the last two games. That's fourth in the NFL, and they are up 20 minutes and 28 seconds time of possession uh, in that span as well. That's second in the NFL. So they're holding on to the ball. They're running the ball. They're stopping the run. They're controlling the time of possession. They're controlling the game. They're controlling moving those chains, the pace they want to be in, they're doing it their way as opposed to reacting to whoever the team is they're playing. And that's a telltale sign to me of a, of a winning team. When you can impose your will on another team as opposed to reacting to what another team is doing to you, that that's a huge leap. from Because, you know, you know, Ty, you played in this league. There's a lot of teams that just are reactionary. Yeah, Something you- happens to them and they just they got to react to it. And check this out, David, real quick. I'll say this. Here's, here's going to be another key right here. If the Carolina Panther offense can do this. Now, I'm about to make an example. I'm about to use an example. Defenses are like cheetahs. They're like cheetahs. Mm-hmm. We have a certain amount of energy. And if we don't catch our prey, if we don't make that play, if we stay on the field too long, we start to get tired. I don't care how fast that cheetah is. I don't care how strong of a defense you have. If you get a defense tired, that's when you start to see big plays giving up. So if the Panthers offense can keep that Bears defense on the field, get them tired, they will have opportunities to go over top and create some big plays. That just have it. That, that just how it is, man. Defense, we put forth more energy trying to disrupt, which causes us to get tired if we stay out there on eight-play drives, ten-play drives. Man, that stuff starts to wear on you. Whereas yeah. offense, they're more subtle. They are time-consuming. They know what they're doing, energy-preserving. So if you can get that Bears defense tired, then they're going to start subbing out guys, Khalil Mack going to the side, Rohan going to the side because they try to catch that breath, and bam, that's the time to take advantage and make a big play. So get that Bears defense tired. Stay on the field, Panthers offense. Give your defense a rest. Like I said, a great offense is a great defense. 
the Panthers have an opportunity by the time we hit four o'clock on Sunday. Well, no, by the time we hit eight, eight thirty tomorrow on Sunday night, the Panthers could be in sole possession of first place if everything goes according to plan. The Panthers can beat the Bears. The Saints are on a bye, if I'm not mistaken. And Tampa's got uh, Green Bay uh, this week, who uh, they are playing lights out um, along with the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They might be the cream of the NFC right now, and Tampa's got to deal with them. So uh, when it's all said and done, we might see a 4-2 and two Carolina Panther team atop of the NFC South uh, six games in, which would be amazing uh, for this franchise after what the fan base and the team and the organization went through last year. Um, and just all the upheaval and everything of 2020 uh, to to have something like that going on in Charlotte would be a really good story. So looking forward to it. I think I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, I think if Carolina can get on top of the Bears early, force them to do what they don't want to do, which is throw the ball down the field with Nick Foles. I think the Panthers have a good shot of winning this football game. I felt pretty good actually the past two or three weeks. Uh, to be honest, each game they've gone into, I haven't really thought of the Panthers as being you know, outmatched or out, or have less talent or or uh, even the coaching. Like, I, I just feel good about this Panther team right now uh, and willing to accept whatever happens. I'm not, <laughs> you know, like I'm not wishing them to go on a 10-game win streak, although that'd be fantastic. I just, I like seeing what they're doing. They're just putting their head down and doing their job. So let's see if the Panthers can come out with another win, go to 4-2, and two. On the season again, Panthers Bears this Sunday, 1 p.m. Fox kickoff, Bank of America Stadium at the Vault down in Charlotte, uh, Uptown Charlotte, I should say there. And uh, again, the Panthers four and six all time versus Chicago, but three and one at home all time versus the Bears. Uh, we'll get out of here on that note. Here, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. We're all over the place. You can follow Tyrone Pool on Twitter at Tyrone Pool thirty eight. You can find me at Dez D E Z underscore three five zero five. Uh, check in with us, follow us. Uh, you know, we, we're tweeting stuff out throughout the week, uh, news, notes, things like that. And uh, just stick with us and pound that like button on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any place that you find this where you're listening to it. And let us know what you think about the podcast. We'll be back next week. Go Panthers, taking on the Bears for a chance to have sole possession of first place in the NFC South. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.